Thank you very much for being here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Mike DeAndre. I'm one of the elders here. And it's a pleasure to serve you this morning with God's Word. So, before we get started in the sermon text, and today's sermon text is actually Acts 5, 12 through 16, if you want to dial there. But I'm going to go back and forth just a little bit. Let's pray. Let's pray for the Word today that I would speak God's truth and that he would be glorified with what I say and do. Lord, oh Lord God, would you empower me today to speak your word. Lord, I can't do this alone. Only you can do it. Lord, let me have clarity. Let me have clear voice. Lord, I ask that you would give us each ears to hear. Lord, that we would look to your scripture, that you would reveal your truth, and that, Lord, we would carry away from this message today that truth into the world that you've given us outside the doors of this church. Oh, Father, let there be enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Today's passage, we see the ministry of Jesus emerging through Jerusalem. We saw the the acts of God when the Holy Spirit came upon the people. We saw Pentecost. We've gone through that part already. We've seen the, uh, the, the disciples cowering in the upper room. And then boldness came upon them to share Jesus. But now something else has changed. Something else is happening now. The persecution of Jesus is very, very fresh in their mind. They witnessed him being scourged. They witnessed him dishonored. They witnessed how the Jewish people rejected him and took him to the cross at the hands of Pontius Pilate. Is this fresh in their minds? This is real. But they need, they need something now. They're, they're crying out. How were they able to cry out? We had in our lesson a few weeks ago, they were doing life together. They weren't just doing church. They were doing life together. They came together and what did they do? They broke bread. They prayed. They worshipped. Sounds good, doesn't it? Until, until the first rock's thrown at you for your faith. Okay, And that's what I want to bring today is, is that God would embolden us encourage us in the same way that he did his people in Jerusalem. Okay, What had just taken place? Uh, remember, in Acts 4, that it happened to Peter and John. What was that? What happened to them? They'd been arrested. They had been taken before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. They had testified of God's glory through His Son, Jesus. And they were afraid. They were much afraid because many people witnessed the miracle of the lame man getting up and walking. Many people saw that. And they couldn't deny, but they could deny in their hearts. And we're going to get to a heart issue in a little bit. They could deny Christ. Okay? So, we see that they had the Jewish leadership's already angry. They were already they'd already condemned and killed Jesus. 
And now here I am, a brand new baby Christian, all by myself, depending on the Holy Spirit, and the Jewish Sanhedrin starting to take notice of people as they're sitting in the portico of Solomon. Think about that. Put yourself in those shoes. I'm trying to draw you in to this story, this gospel truth. So, question, how did Peter and John react to being arrested? If I remember correctly, let me read what they said. In Acts 4.19, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you must be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. The threats and direction not to preach the name of Jesus is what led to them coming to prayer among their church family. They came seeking God in the midst of this beginning trial. Okay? So they prayed for boldness and signs. Let's look at how they prayed for boldness and signs. Let's move to Acts 4, 29 at verses 31. And now, Lord, and now, Lord, Look upon their threats, the Sanhedrin's threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretched out your hands to heal, while you stretch out your hands to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through your name, through the name excuse me. Performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want to get that right. I don't want to miss that. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How did God respond? He immediately responded upon lifting that prayer. How did he respond again? They, the building shook. And they all received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Boy, do we need that today? I, I'm going to tell you the truth. If, if I'm standing up here and this building starts to shake, I'm going to hit the floor. That means we're in the presence of God. Okay? Think about that. The power of prayer. And God immediately answered. Sometimes we pray for years. Decades and never see an answer to prayer. Health, restored life, restored marriages, healing, sickness, and health. But it's in God's hand and it's in His time when He chooses to respond to those prayers. Please hold on to that. There's always hope. There's always hope. All right. I need to step back just a little bit to us today so we can get a little bit of a grasp on this. How do we respond today when people say there are miracles? How do we respond today when we have been tainted? Even God's people have been tainted. When you look at the TV and you have a televangelist sitting up there waving rags and, and claiming healings, when we have videos that we see, when we hear people preach a false gospel, how do we respond? 
Do we just go along with the blasphemy? Or do we run back? The reason I went through the, the in Christ alone part was I wanted to run back to God's word and weigh everything you hear and everything you see and everything that's spoken out against God's word. Please, church, take that as a model. Take that to heart. If you hear something that's wrong from up here, if you hear it from a video or if you're visiting another church, ask God for discernment and wisdom. Is this the truth that you have given us? He will honor that and He will make clear. If you're sitting in a church and you're not hearing the gospel, I'm so sorry. You will hear the gospel in this church week in and week out. Lord knows... You know, Jesus, uh, through the, through speaking through this man called Jeff, has called out. <laughs> How many times have we heard as a church the false prophets, the, the, the ear teasers, the ticklers of ears, and Jeff stand and say, no, it's the Word of God. Only the Word of God that we believe. That's what we stand on. So what I ask for you to do today is consider that And we can't be jaundiced because of what the world's done, but we can be emboldened by what God's done. Uh, Let me do something here. Uh, Bring up uh, R.C. Sproul's reading here, please. R.C. Sproul had recorded this uh, prior to his death. And it brings clarity to me about miracles and signs and wonders. We're not asking whether the Lord continues to heal people supernaturally in response to prayer, or whether there's instances where we are saved from accidents and other dangers by means that have no natural explanation. That clearly occurs, and I have many in this room that have seen it, and know it, and confirm it, and testify to it. Many Christians have seen that, and have been people healed, yes, of diseases that they were not supposed to recover from, yes, or even experience such healings themselves. But there are times that God doesn't answer the way we want it. He answers the way He wants it. Okay? No, we're not asking about that. We're asking specifically today, and what we're going to address today, is whether we're asking the spirit, the whether the specific gifts of miracles working operates today. And the answer to that question seems to be no extraordinary signs and wonders such as what are described in Scripture passed away after the apostolic age. When the apostles died, that stopped. Why? The Scriptures were being written. God's Word was available for us. We were able to see what He did through those acts. The word miracle appears 12 times in the ESV Bible. Only 12. Wait a minute. The term signs and wonder only turned up 33 times. These were miraculous, life-giving, changing events. We belittle it if we think that, you know, uh, signs and wonders are going to be wasted if I've got a corn that needs to be chopped off. Okay, or healed miraculously. God did this for a reason. I need to uh, step back and say, well, why did he do this? Why did he perform these? 
He did this to re reinforce the spiritual truths of his word, the testimony of his son Jesus. Let's take another little bit of a side view here. Only God did creative miracles. He spoke and the earth came into existence. The universe came into existence. He spoke and all the creatures on the earth came. He spoke and life was breathed into them. That's God. That's God. Who was with him at that time? Jesus was there with him. Jesus witnessed it. Jesus knew. And Jesus had those same powers as fully God and fully man. And we only see an instance of that. He was in the boat. The storm was coming. What did he do? He calmed the seas. He controlled nature. Talk about a proof statement. He controlled nature. Truly God, truly man. Alright, so let's move to Jesus. What did He do when He was on the earth? He healed. He casted out demons. He brought people to life. And you see that as God gave the gift, and this is critical, and God gave the gift to the prophets. God gave the gift through the apostles to have those wonders and signs and miracles. Only Jesus. And we find that where? We don't find that in miracles today. We find that in God's Word. We have to open it. We have to understand it. We have to see it before we can put it in our hearts. There's another miracle I'd like to just take a moment. Now, I alluded to it earlier. Is it not a miraculous work of God that salvation is given to His people? He brings salvation. He foreknew before the beginning of time who He had elected. It was us shedding our desire for sin, our desire to not depend upon Him. It was His desire for us to bend our knee to His Son Jesus. And we have to hang on to that. Yes, our salvation is a miracle. It's miraculous. It's a great gift from God. And the Gospel makes a way for hope in this life and for life to come. It's essential though. Please, friends, please weigh everything through the Word of God. If we don't, then we are on perilous ground. We are on a slippery slope. We too should, as the, as the apostles prayed though, we should pray for boldness. We should pray that God would speak through us through His Word. We should pray that the miraculous, life-giving gift of the gospel will bring forth God's harvest. Not mine, not yours, but God's harvest. And that our hearts would be broken to, to bend our knee before Him. A lot of background, but I think we had to set the stage to be able to move into the Scriptures. And that's where we're going to go right now. So let's turn our Scriptures now to Acts 5, verses 12-16. through 16. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Did the people do them? Who did the signs and wonders? God's anointed, His apostles did these. And they were 
all together in Solomon's portico, and none of the rest dared join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, so that they were even carrying out, of the, carrying out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots that as Peter came by, at least his shadow would fall upon them. I'm going to go back to Sproul again, so here we go. So much power was invested in the apostles in the first generation of the church that even the passing shadow of Peter and the handkerchief of Paul were used by who? By God to manifest his power in order to bear witness to his chosen Messiah, Jesus. God chose the Messiah, not the Jews. And that's where they failed. God chose the Messiah. So, prophets, apostles, Jesus, signs and wonders. Okay? They prayed for these signs and wonders, but I got to take it a little side step again. Who saw Jesus at first generation church? There are many, many people in Jerusalem who saw Jesus nailed to the cross. They saw the scourging. The Jews saw this. But what did they do? They rejected the Savior, the Messiah that was brought. How did the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the church respond? They rejected the Savior God had brought to them. Jesus was rejected. This fledgling church sees and knew what had happened. So now they're being asked, ha, you got to pick up the mantle and run with it. How bold would you be? I think I'd be on my knees as they were seeking God for His will to be done and the provision to be bold. But why signs and wonders? It was God who performed the signs and wonders through his servants. It was God who stretches out his hand to bring those signs and wonders among the people. In view of this threat, now let's, let's talk about the threat. They knew the seriousness of the Sanhedrin threat because they saw the, the persecution beginning. The apostles saw this. The early church saw this. They were in fear until the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room. The threat of the Sanhedrin was real. They were not to speak the name of Jesus, no less teach the name of Jesus. In light of seeing the Jews reject, and it was what? What was it when the, when the Romans had Jesus? It wasn't just the voice of the Sanhedrin. The people cried what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. They were rejecting God's Son. So they knew who had come. They knew, but they rejected. The Lord's servants now are on their knees thinking God's courage to stand up to the threats. They're standing now to do what Jesus had done. 
They're not asking for anything they had that they want to do. They're asking for the same gifts God had used Jesus to do in their time and in their day. That's why it was for them then. It's for them to be the, 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 the conveyors of God's word. And that's how the church begins to rise up and starts to build. The answer, and the only answer is, they believed. They believed God would protect them. His will would be done and God would protect them through boldness of their speech and through signs and wonders. That's what they believed and that's what they asked for. All right. But why did they ask for signs and wonders? So let's look at one of our first points here. In Acts 5.12, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. There's a pattern that's starting to build here. They ran. They got the, An event happened. They came together. They prayed. Event happened. Prayed. And now they've seen God's hands. So they, they've got it down of what is God supposed to do. And they couldn't go out. They could stay in the upper room. But God's word wasn't going to go out for them. They had to move beyond. So, oh, let me take another sidestep. Who was in the portico? And, and the portico was outside of the, the temple. It was a big awning area. The vendors, the merchants, the travelers, the Jews coming to worship in the temple were all under this big awning area. And where did they meet? They met under, the early church met under that awning in the portico of Solomon. The world was hearing God's word. They were hearing praise. They were hearing prayer. They were hearing the church glorifying this risen Son of God, Jesus. Miracles did happen in the first century. They did happen in the hands at the hands of the apostles. There are 17 times that I can count of, and if not more, where miracles took place. Can you think of some of them? I already gave you one. Pentecost. What happened? 3,000 came unto the Lord. Let's go again. The lame man. 2,000 in Acts 3, 6. 2,000 came to the Lord. In Acts 9... And this is one of the clearest texts. Peter heals Ananias. And Luke tells us, and all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw and turned to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing there's some power in this boldness that God's anointed on His workers. Peter tells us again, he raises Tapitha from the dead. And Luke tells us, it became known throughout Joppa and many believed. These signs and wonders were having an effect. Wait, wait a minute. I said Joppa. I said Lydia. Sharon. Are they in Jerusalem? No, they're outside Jerusalem. What's happening, friends? God's Word starting to go forth into the land around. God's Word is going out. 
Matthew 12, 38-42. If you want to turn there. Then some of the scribes, the Pharisees, answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign and a wonder. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but for no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will be the Son of Man three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh raised up at the judgment with this generation and condemned it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah was here. So, what's the difference? Why did Jesus condemn the Jews and not the apostles? It's very clear. Jesus himself said that. Don't come to me looking for miracles and wonders. But why did the apostles have that boldness to ask for the same thing that they knew had been rejected? I think we have to go to the heart. It's a heart issue. What was the intent of the Jewish Sanhedrin when they asked Jesus to do more signs and wonders? Show us just one more. Just give us one more trick. Give us one more little bit. They were looking for reasons to deny Him as Messiah, friends. They were looking to deny Him His existence, that He was not from God. He, they were looking to take Him and put Him on the cross to get rid of a problem that Jesus was stirring hearts and people were coming to Him. So what was the heart of the people in Jerusalem after Jesus had died? Not much time had lapsed. Same hard hearts. We see that today. People won't acknowledge Jesus as Lord because they have hard hearts. They love their sin more than they want to hear the Word of God. More than they can ever love Jesus because they love what they swallow in as pigs at a trough. Okay? So, we've got the Sanhedrin and the leaders who deny Christ. Those same Sanhedrin and the leaders are now threatening the early church. The same people who denied Messiah are now putting their hand on the furtherance of the word. They do not want to see the gospel go forth. But God had other plans. God had a reason for this. So, let's move forward again. The apostles now come. What was their heart? Their heart was not one of disapproval. Their heart was one of we acknowledge and we desire the things of God. They want to see Jesus go forth. They want to see His Word. They have donated, they have committed their lives to the teaching of Jesus. Right now, 
they are coming in and they're asking a very, very bold prayer. They are no that God Himself, through His Son Jesus, had said, no, you're not going to see any more signs and wonders. So they asked for the very thing. Why did they do that? They knew. They knew. God knew that people would come as they saw the lame healed, as they saw the dead rise. Was it about the show? Or was it about the faith in the Word of God through Jesus Christ. Puts a little perspective around it. The apostles were not evil and adulterous. You'll hear people reject that today. Well, why did the apostles do it? They were doing it for the glorification of God to have bold spirits that they would bring forth the gospel as God had ordained in them. Let's move on. What's the result of God's hand working these signs and wonders? We're a product of that today, friends. We're sitting here today, and we can say amen and hallelujah. We're sitting here today because of that. Let's read uh, Acts 5, 13 and 14. None of the rest dare join them. Wait a minute. Now, signs and wonders, authentication is happening in the midst under the portico and in the upper room and around Jerusalem. These events were putting fear in the lost people, in the Sanhedrin. But you know what? There wasn't any mocking. There wasn't any chiding. They respected those people who and what they were believing in and living. Hmm, a little bit different than today, isn't it? See how far the world has gone? But maybe it's not all that far, if you think about it. Let me read on. But the people held them in high esteem. Non-believers had a respect that they acknowledged and even some believed in Jesus. And Scripture in verse 14 says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. Verses 13 and 14 are the first two results of signs and wonders. The Jewish people looked in awe at the power of God that was being enacted right in front of them. They could see it. We're asked to believe it, but we don't see through His Word. And we believe it. So I would say that Luke wants us to see the connection between signs and wonders done by the Apostle, God's appointed, in verse 12, and the multitudes being added in verse 14. You see that? God funnels us into His Word. God knew that signs and wonders continuing from the day of Jesus would authenticate the apostles. Their preaching would be bring people to Christ. You notice I said, who was that? God said. God acknowledged. God foreknew. And He brought the boldness to the apostles to teach and use of sign and wonders. There was a third there was a third activity that took place here also. Acts 15. So that even carried out the sick in the streets and laid them on cots and mats as Peter came at least his shadow might fall upon them. The apostles were speaking God's word. 
people were hearing God's word, and it was the authority that God's word carried of Jesus Christ that people came. Their proclamation, their bold proclamation, and people came. Boy, where are we at today, friends? Where are we at today? We as a church should be so thankful to God that there are pastors that preach the gospel of Jesus today. We should pray for those men in pulpits today that they would be empowered and continue to preach. They don't water down God's word. They don't take away from God's word. They stand on God's word. And sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. And that's what God's word's designed to do is make us feel uncomfortable enough to yield to him. So as men are in pulpits today, as prayer, as you're praying, my friends, please pray for pastors, seminarians, teachers who are rightly sounded in God's word. We also can pray for this. We can also pray in this day God's Holy Spirit would move on the hearts of those who have taken away from God's word. And it's the right thing to do. Lord, change the hearts of the seminary professors who deny your word. Lord, change the hearts of pastors who are in the ministry for personal gain and corporate jets. Lord, pray that you would move on the hearts of these men who are charlatans taking away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, glorify yourself. Glorify yourself and bring them to their knees. Use them. Don't destroy them. Use them. Let them come back to their first love. Not to the boards that rule their churches or their corporate uh, uh, prophets or any of that other junk. Bring them back to their first love of Jesus. And if they've never known you, Lord, use them. Use the wealth that they have brought in their, in their pulpits and let them go forth and proclaim boldly the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that's an amen. And to pray that today is worthy of our prayer. Let me move on one more time. We're almost done. In Acts 5, 16, the people gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Scripture says that. Acts 5.16 says that. So Luke recorded that the people had such a desire that they would come from outlying areas and carry their sick and lame and infirmed to the apostles. The church is on the march. The church is moving outside the walls of Jerusalem. We've seen it. Lydia, moving to Joppa. Okay? Last, Luke records that the people had such a desire for things of faith. They believed. They saw the miracles. They saw the wonders. God empowered Peter and the apostles, John and the rest, through even that their shadow would bring healing. 
I can't get my head wrapped around that. But if, if it's in the Word, it's true, and I'm going to say amen. Okay? That they're shadows. And we can see where the charlatans have also taken the napkins and for 50 bucks we'll take care of you and we'll get you healed. We have desperate hearts. But we're not running to the, to the one who can give us healing. We're running to everything but in many places around the world. So, people were healed. People restored. God moved his church out of the confines of Jerusalem for his glory and for the furtherance of his son Jesus. I'm going to have one more reading here that I I think this is rich. Uh, Calvin writes, Miracles were promised only for a time in order to give luster to the gospel. Luster to the gospel. While it was new and in its state of obscurity, miracles confirmed that those who claimed to be divine, excuse me, claimed to be given divine revelation are actually from God. And one of this, and once this revelation has been given, miracles are no longer needed. But God continues to intervene supernaturally in his creation. So we pray for the sick. We pray for people to believe. We pray for people to be healed. We are called to that, friends. Let God receive the glory. Let God be glorified. Let Jesus receive the credit. It's not our hands. It's His hands. His Holy Spirit moves on our hearts and we go to Him. All right. So in our day, let's move it to now. Let's finish this off. In our day, we, are, we, we know God's Word, but how? We have to be in His Word. We have to dig into His Word, which is the truth that He has preserved through the centuries. The most documented truth in, of all literature is in our hands right now. God enables us. He gives us His Word. He desires that we're in His Word. We should pray for this church and for other churches that God would grant boldness. Let us receive the gift of boldness in this day. That God would work in amazing ways. Any way He chooses. And that's really important. It's not our will that we're praying. We're praying God's will. And friends, if you're in a difficult place today, Lord Jesus, Thy will be done brings peace to our hearts. He, we acknowledge Him that it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. Interesting passage. Interesting that we are to examine. I learned more this week than I have in a long time, as Jeff told me I would. Uh, I haven't been around my wife very much this week. But you know what? God received the glory. I pray that you have been taught well this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that as a people in our community, as the people in our community see us and watch our lives as your church in Swansboro and in in Carteret County and in Onslow County. Lord, we are the people of the Bible in this church. 
Lord, we pray that our friends and neighbors, our workers, our co-workers, our, our fellow students would see Jesus in us. Lord, we pray that we would be committed believers, committed to the teaching of the gospel, committed to the Bible and in fellowship, committed to eating together, praising together for God's glory together, praying that as a body of followers that we would live God-honoring, Christ-filled lives. Lord, let our neighbors see and desire to know Jesus through our lives as we walk this earth. Lord, let us live what we say we believe. Fall on our hearts. Show us where we're short. And Lord, let us be obedient to you. Cause our lost neighbor, our loved ones, to believe through your gospel, we pray. We have been weak in witness of your son Jesus. Lord, let your hand move on the people in our lives as they witness us walk in this day. Let your word go forth in boldness with your power. Lord, let us have a blessing of a bold spirit to share the gospel of Jesus even now. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you and give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen.